Hello, everyone. It's Jody Heiss bringing you another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you joining us today. As we all know, coronavirus continues to demand the attention not only of the news media, but obviously citizens all across the country and lawmakers alike, for that matter. President Trump has been taking a lot of actions, I think last count, somewhere in excess of 70 different steps that he has taken, and and primarily on two uh, parts of this thing. On the one hand, there's the efforts of the president, the administration, uh, to, to deal with the medical professionals and the hospitals, that side of it, from the medical perspective. But then on the other side, obviously, we've got the job creators, the job holders across the country, the economy as a whole, and the president has been trying to stay hot and center of all of those. And so far, Congress has passed two significant pieces of legislation, one dealing with the health concerns, another the process, at least beginning to help with the economy. And as you all know, there is a third one that right now is in the Senate. And here to discuss all of this is a great friend, a great friend of the Freedom Caucus, Senator Mike Lee. Uh, Senator, thanks for joining us always. A great honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Congressman. Good to be with you as always. Well, listen, first of all, let's just begin with the reality. You are self-quarantined yourself. Uh, Last week, we saw Rand Paul tested positive for this. Before we go anywhere, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, In fact, never better. I'm in good health, not a single symptom. Um, But I had lunch with Rand Paul, and as a result, it was directed by the Office of the attending physician at the Capitol to self-quarantine. And this is a reminder of the fact that the Senate's not immune from the spread of this virus. And, well, that's um, the truth. Like, so I'm, I'm I'm joining a whole lot of other Americans uh, this week by teleworking, and so uh, it's it's been an interesting process. But I've stayed in touch with staff, with colleagues, with constituents, and others across the country uh, by phone even had a good chat with the president yesterday, so I'm staying connected. Excellent. And with Rand Paul, have you spoken with him? How's he doing? Yeah, Rand's doing fine. Um, I checked in with Rand just an hour or two ago. He's still symptom-free. He still feels fine. He has he has tested positive, but doesn't seem to be feeling anything. Wow. And uh, I hope that and pray that'll continue. Absolutely. It'll keep us up for a few more days. He'll, uh, he'll be out of the woods for now. Well, absolutely, uh, Mike. And just know that, uh, that you've just got truckloads of people pay, praying for you as well. And really great news to hear how you're doing. You mentioned that you've been able to stay in touch and doing the teleworking as obviously millions of Americans all across the country, I'm sure, are doing the same thing right now. But uh, how have you been able to stay engaged in what's happening with the Senate? This is a huge bill that's kind of like on a roller coaster right now. How have you been able to stay engaged with the process? Yeah, you're right. It's a huge bill, and it's uh, moving constantly. Fortunately, I've got a really good staff, and uh, my my staff, um, including my legislative director and all of my legislative assistants, uh, have been working night and day to stay on top of the, of the proposals, both before and since I went into self-quarantine to keep me apprised of it. We have several phone calls a day. We're constantly emailing and text messaging each other so that we know 
what's happening. Um, it, it has been a, a tough process, but it's also been very, very interesting. Well, you mentioned it's a constantly moving target right now. And I, listen, last night I went to bed. It was somewhere in the ballpark of $1.5 trillion. I woke up this morning and they were talking $2 trillion, And I'm like, where in the world did an additional $500 billion come into this thing while, while asleep? Uh, it's just absolutely phenomenal how this is going on and how negotiations are happening on this legislation. Uh, what is in the bill? Uh, I, I am not able to get much information on that. Of course, a lot of folks, myself included, are speculating, having seen some of the things being proposed by Nancy Pelosi. But what are some of the highlights that uh, actually are in the bill that uh, you guys in the Senate are looking at? Okay, so the Senate Republican proposal gives $1,200 for every adult American. Uh, so $2,400 for a married couple um, uh, when you add the two together, and for each additional child would be $500 on top of that. That's subject to a phase-out for high-income earners, but that's the gist of the direct payment. Uh, the, the Democratic bill, by comparison, has emissions standards for airplanes, you know, apparently with a nod to the Green New Deal. So the Republican proposal has something to do with this virus and something that would actually help ordinary Americans. Democratic bill seems to be pursuing sort of pie in the sky proposals that have been around for uh, a while in the Democratic Party that long predate and have nothing to do with uh, the coronavirus crisis. Uh, likewise, the Senate Republican bill includes $350 billion in loans to small businesses so that they can continue to pay their workers and avoid bankruptcy and stay in business. The Democratic bill, I'm told, has gender diversity requirements for corporate boards. So, again, we, we've got one set of proposals that are actually dealing with the virus, another that pursues some sort of agenda that has nothing to do with the virus. The bottom line, Joey, is what the Democrats are doing is uh, completely irresponsible because they're just delaying this much-needed aid for all Americans. If they want to have a debate about that stuff, that's fine, but they shouldn't be holding up this for that. Well, that's exactly the way I feel. There's a, there's a place, a time and a place for all these debates, all these bills to uh, go through regular order. Let's talk about them, let's debate them, and let's go from there. But this is neither the time nor the place. We are dealing with an emergency, uh, obviously for, just from the pandemic itself, but but now uh, literally an emergency in our economy and businesses that are folding, going under. They can't afford to pay their employees, and for the Democrats to be playing these type of shenanigans is just legislatively abusive, but it's just anti-American. This is not the time for this type of thing. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. And the good news is I don't think they can keep it up much longer because I think the American people are pretty united in thinking that this is an inappropriate display of obstruction. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I, I, there's a time and a place to obstruct things that you think are bad. There's even a time and a place to demand that certain reforms be made as a condition for getting other legislation passed. This is a little different. This is a lot different. We're dealing with an emergency. We're dealing with a big wave that is about to hit this country and uh, is wreaking havoc on our economy. We've got to do something. And the, the, the basic proposal on the table is one that, while far from perfect, and while it's got a lot of stuff that I don't like in it, at least deserves some sort of up or down vote and they need to let us get on with the bill 
Absolutely. Well, listen, another thing really in the midst of all of this, uh, it's unprecedented times. There's no question about that. You yourself find yourself in quarantine and you're not alone with that. There are people both in the House and the Senate that are doing the very same thing. One of the ideas that's floating around right now is this concept of uh, remote voting. And I personally have some concerns about that. And uh, uh, give me your thoughts. Good idea, bad idea, and why? Yeah, I'm glad you raised this. This is a very timely issue. Um, You're right to have concerns about it. There are things about it that are a little risky and suboptimal. My view is that we should adopt some type of uh, rule that would allow members to vote remotely uh, under a narrow set of circumstances uh, involving a national emergency where Congress can't uh, physically reconvene. The reason I believe that is that, first of all, technology has evolved to a point where people really can communicate pretty well from hundreds or even thousands of miles away as long as they've got the right connections established. Um, and secondly, in a crisis, a national emergency like what we're enduring right now, if you don't have that, then you're going to have exactly you're going to have a risk of exactly the kind of consolidation accumulation of excessive power in the hands of the few that the founding fathers warned about. The, the most dangerous power within the federal government is found within Congress, and that's why it's no coincidence that Congress also happens to be the branch of government most accountable to the people at the most regular intervals. You've got all 435 representatives who are up for re-election every other year, and a third of the Senate up for re-election every other year. So. Uh, this is the big check in the Constitution on making sure that the people are in charge. And when an emergency like this one erupts, we've got to be able to continue to operate without just yielding that power off to somebody else. Well, I, I totally get that. And, you know, I, I guess in, to some regard it can be uh, argued the other direction as well, that if we are not there and voting remotely still you're going to have a handful of people who are there leadership from one chamber or the other proposing legislation and the rest of us really are not there to engage in the debate and the discussion the amendments and all that sort of stuff the regular order and so i guess i i mean you put forth a a solid argument it seems like the same argument could be argued the other way uh, you're exactly right. Uh, the same argument can be made the other way. And that's why this is, um, uh, I, I think, reasonable people can disagree on this. I would ask, though, um, in response to your point, whether it really is meaningfully different than what we have now. In other words, even in a non-emergency circumstance, even as of just you know a week or two ago, uh, when Congress was operating uh, in a business-as-usual sort of fashion. It is not as though members uh, weren't already being excluded from a lot of internal discussions. It was not as though leadership within both houses of Congress and both political parties hadn't already accumulated way too much power. So that part of well, the there's no question about that. Yeah, yeah. And in some respects, an emergency remote voting mechanism might actually help break some of that uh, some of that cycle might actually help us to break out of that mold uh, and might surprisingly have the effect of emboldening members who, while not locked in the same room as legislative leadership, 
might start to assert more authority and independence. Excellent point, and there's no question that technology is there to do so. So I'm sure that that debate is going to be coming down the pipe, and uh, appreciate that. If we can, I'd like to pivot for just a uh, for what time we have left. Uh, not only is the coronavirus a to- hot topic right now, but before we left, uh, we had an extension of FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, and of course, this is one of the things, uh, Senator, that you have been on this for a long, long time. Uh, And we've, of course, discussed this many times on the Freedom Caucus podcast here. Um, But what this this ought to be a concern to everyone, all freedom lovers all across America. Uh, What is is your thoughts with the the bill that the House passed? I think it had some minor reforms, but quite frankly, uh, I don't think it uh, went far enough. But it was a beginning, I suppose. But uh, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with that? And what, what reforms do we need to see with FISA? The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act desperately needs reform. Uh, we've got three provisions of it expiring. Um, uh, one known as Lone Wolf, another known as Roving Wiretap, and a third one known as 215, referring to Section 215 of the Patriot Act. It's Of those three provisions... Uh, 215 I'm most worried about. Now, to be sure, there are other parts of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, including Title I, including Section 702. Uh, 702 was used in the uh, manipulation that we saw that resulted in the deep state spying on President Trump. That also needs reform, and I think we should leverage uh, our, our knowledge of what happened to the president coupled with the expiration of these provisions in order to bring about some much-needed reform to FISA. For example, um, and to answer your question about the House passed measures, I didn't think they went nearly far enough. In fact, I, I thought the House passed reforms were more or less window dressing. Right. Uh, they, were, they were fake reforms designed to sort of uh, present the appearance that they had dealt with the need for reform while not really doing anything substantive. I agree with you. Um, uh, I, I would like to see some um, additional aggressive measures put in place. For example, I want to see um, a dramatically heightened uh, requirement for the appointment of amicus curiae or friend of the court lawyers so that there is actually an opposing viewpoint within the FISA court so that the types of abuses we saw with President Trump aren't as likely to happen if you've got some other adult in the room saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. Hmm. So what do you say to the average American right now listening to us who is sitting back saying, okay, FISA uh, is dealing with foreign people. Yeah, it was abused to spy on the president, but it really doesn't involve me, uh, American citizen. How, How do you respond to that individual to let them know that this is a major issue for which every American citizen, as I said earlier, every freedom-loving person ought to be deeply concerned about. I would say every American should be concerned about this, first of all, because if it can happen to the President of the United States, which we know it did, it can happen to anyone else. In fact, the reason we know that it happened to the President of the United States uh, is because he became the President of the United States. He's just the one we found out about it because he happened to head that very same government that had previously spied on him. 
Now, imagine any other American um, without the resources at his disposal that the current president of the United States now has probably would never even be able to find out that they've been spied on. This is a government that has immense power over you. Our federal government requires you to work many weeks, probably months out of every year, just to pay your federal taxes. It has enacted thousands, in fact, hundreds of thousands of laws imposing criminal penalties, uh, such that uh, there, there are experts out there who assume that uh, if government spies followed you around every day, you could find something you did wrong that amounted to a criminal offense. Maybe you removed the do not remove tag on a mattress. I don't know. But a government that can spy on you that effectively using automation uh, can be used for all kinds of mischief, including partisan political manipulation, including retaliation, the settling of, of uh, personal disputes. Uh, you, you don't want to pit the American people against their own government. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act was set up to give our government the power to catch and stop foreign spies and foreign terrorists, not to spy on the American people. It was designed to do the former. It needs to be refocused on doing only the latter. Extremely well said. Senator Mike Lee, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for, uh, number one, that you're feeling okay. Uh, America needs you. They need your voice. They need your leadership. And it's always an honor to have you on the program. Uh, we appreciate it a great deal, and thanks for all you do for America. Oh, thank you very much, Jody. Well, listen, folks, that's all the time we have for this episode. I want to say, again, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. I know you've enjoyed the program. I'd encourage you to rate us, to subscribe, and to review this podcast. You can do so either on iTunes or SoundCloud. And, of course, for more information on the Freedom Caucus, our content, what we're up to, you can follow us at facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and on Twitter simply at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll look forward to being with you next time here on the program on Freedom Caucus Podcast.